three eternal purposes for Christ coming to earth. Three eternal purposes for Christ coming to earth. We're going to be in the book of Luke, book of John, and Revelations. I always like when a preacher is preaching out of Revelations because I know he doesn't have far to go to get to the end of the book. So we'll get there as soon as we can. This was originally a seven-point message. It's going to be three for today. Maybe we'll look at it again tonight. Christ, the first point, is Christ came to die upon the cross. Luke chapter uh, 19.10, we'll get there. But I wanted to introduce you to, he came to fulfill scripture also. And that was to die upon the cross. So we're going to be in one, and I'm going to read you a couple verses out of one. 126 is where we'll start, familiar to most of us. And the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord of God shall give unto him a throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Dear Lord, thank you as we further to and look forward to your kingdom. Bless this time together. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for the congregation that's gathered here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ came unto the world to die upon the cross. You're in the book of Luke. Go to 19.10. Jesus Christ answered uh, why he was here on earth in Luke 19.10. He was, some of you might be familiar with the Zacchaeus, a uh, man of short stature. I'll start in. 19, verse 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, publicans were looked down about like Democrats in the day, but, <laughs> but uh, they, were, they were public interactions. They were tax collectors. Uh, so we still have some of those around, so you can liken him to a tax collector, and he was a chief of amongst the tax collectors, and he sought to see Jesus. He was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. Now, if you're short, if you're below five foot tall, you're either a child or you're wicked. That's what my Bible says. It says, it says, it says the wicked shall be cut off. I like to pick on short people with that. It's one of the few advantages I have in life that I'm not short, but I am bald. And we won't go what the Bible says about bears and Bibles and all that. 
And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree and to see him, that would be Jesus, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him, he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now he was going to a tax collector's house. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to his guest with a man that is a sinner. Amen. Anybody here not a sinner? Well, you're welcome then. And Zacchaeus stood and said, well, the little short people aren't sinners yet. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have given to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man, false accusation, I restore unto him fourfold. There's a picture of repentance. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to thy house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, identifying Zacchaeus as a child, as a child of Abraham in ancestry and a Jew. For the son, this is in red in my Bible, this is what Christ said. He proclaimed Zacchaeus in honor of salvation, and he said, For the Son of Man is come. Now, this is why Jesus came, to seek and to save that which was lost. The first internal thing Christ accomplished when he came to this earth, the eternal thing he came to this earth for was to die upon the cross to seek and to save that which is lost. The second thing he came to this planet for, Christ came unto the world to glorify the Heavenly Father. To glorify the Heavenly Father. I told you in point two we'd be in the book of John. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. It's a hard chapter to read completely through. It brings me to tears often. Jesus prays for his own. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, thy hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Jesus Christ knew he was born on this earth to the Virgin Mary for this purpose right here. This is ours literally before he was crucified on the cross. And thou hast given him power to glorify thy son, that I may also glorify by thee, as thy son has given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost and to glorify his heavenly Father, and in that he gives each one of us eternal life. And this is life eternal, that they might know that thee and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee in the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. We're so afraid, this much of us in this age, and a lot of people come to this, to this island just for one thing. That's P-L-A-Y. But there's a four-letter word that even Jesus Christ partaked in, and that was work. And his work was to glorify the Father and to die on the cross for each one of us. He suffered and died, not only as a measurement of what true righteousness was, because John chapter 3, verse 17 says, He came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have eternal life. 
Ah, he came to glorify God. Boy, we could stop there for a minute. Here's a man looking at death, looking death in the face and saying, I want to glorify you in my death. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they and thou givest them me, and they have kept thy word. He's talking about the apostles. And I'm going to go right over to... uh, Another point, he prays for those that have been with him. He even prays for for Judas. Down on about verse 12, he talks about how one left him. But in verse 20, he prays for you and I. Jesus Christ in John chapter 17 prayed for you and I. First, he prays for the apostles. He prays for the lost apostle. And he prays for you and I. He says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I send them into the world. For thy sakes I sanctify myself and also might sanctify through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. We have before us God's word in our lap. We have what the apostles wrote by the power of the Holy Spirit for each one of us. It's been preserved through time. And if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, it was because of Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it can be by a testimony. It can be by God's word directly. You've come to terms with your maker and you have a chance. And thou glorify thou which gaveth me and giveth them that they may be ones even as we are one. You are united with Christ. And his job was to glorify the Heavenly Father. So Christ came to die upon the cross. Christ came unto the world to glorify his Heavenly Father. And he prayed in that time that we might glorify God. You got out of bed this morning and put both feet on a cold floor. Not too cold for this time of year. And you came into church and you glorified God by doing that. You glorified God when you sang. You glorified God when you put things aside to recognize him on this particular day. You are in the process of glorifying him as you subject yourself to his word. And each day of your life, you have a chance as you work to glorify God. Now, the last point, and we're to Revelations already, is Christ came to wipe away all tears. Wipe away all tears. He came to die upon the cross. He came to glorify his heavenly Father. He came to wipe away all tears. Revelations 21, 4. And the verse that talks about directly wiping away tears, I believe, is in Matthew. But in Revelations 21, 4. Let's see what we have there. 21, 4 says... And I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them then and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and they then, and there shall be no more so- death, neither sorrow, 
nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words to be true and are true and faithful. God died for you. God sent his only begotten son that not only we could live a wonderful life on this earth. I've had some wonderful experiences even this week. Uh, the Lord keeps working with you. If he stops, you're in the corner. I had one man come to me earlier this week and says, I'm not, I'm not getting through to God. I says, you're just in the corner. He puts you in the corner sometimes. But as you walk with him, he'll walk with you. <sighs> He's came to wipe away all our tears. He came so that heaven would be a place of eternal bliss. And I just don't say that you just think how just think how great it would be to be in a place where you didn't have to lock your doors, you didn't have to buy gold, you didn't have to put uh, worry about breakfast, you didn't have to uh, worry about somebody saying an unkind word. It's going to be a wonderful place. The rewards of 70 years, of 80 years at the most, of neglecting and doing all things in moderation and trying your best to be obedient to God. Just for 70 years, you're going to trade for an eternity where there'll be no sorrow, no death, no hard things, no hardships. It's a small trade. Somebody once said, I gave up nothing that I might have everything. And God did. He gave up everything that you might have something. Heaven can't, can wait. Heaven can't wait, and heaven will wait. That's my three last points. We'll talk about them some other time. But heaven's there. And some of us like to live like there's no tomorrow. But there is a tomorrow. There'll be a tomorrow if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior forever and ever and ever. There'll always be a tomorrow ahead of you until you get to heaven where there'll be no time, and then you'll be experiencing tomorrow in bliss. Let's all stand. <clears throat>